And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Seed Red. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. And I'm David's mother, Debbie. We're back again for part two of this. Uh, I had to take a little break. Nicotine addiction and drinking too many monsters. I got a small bladder. I can't help it. Okay, so we are in 1983, right? That's where we're at? Right. And now, you guys... And I say you guys, let me back up a little bit. We're talking about who would eventually become my stepfather, Randy. Um, you met at a party? No, I met him at my aunt's house. Okay. They had invited me and him both over to meet uh, at a barbecue. Okay, so again, let's just um, jump a little bit. Um, you you gave him your number or, or it was just a mutual conversation of let's go to... To movies? No, um, he told my aunt that he really liked me and thought I was beautiful because I was, and that he would really like to take me out, and that he says I'm going to give her a call, and I told Aunt Judy I said, well, he's going to call me. She goes, yeah. She goes, but he's waiting for his disability check. He got hurt, uh, got his knee hurt and everything, so he was off work when I met him, and um, so I waited and waited and waited, and he never called, so I called him. And you guys end up going to a dinner and a movie? We we both love scary movies. So we went, you know, had like a salad or a hamburger or some pizza, something like that. So after that, we were like inseparable and we were constantly, every new movie that came out, we went to go see it. What was the first movie? Do you remember? Oh, I want to say Psycho or something like that. I can't remember. It's been, it's been 30 years ago. I can't remember. It was a scary movie. Really? Yes. And that's that was it. It was kind of a, a a horror movie flick fanatic kind of thing. Um, yeah, but it was on every new movie that came out. We went and saw it, without a doubt. Now, at what point do you find out? Because Randy, obviously, he was married and had a you know a son as well. When well, do you find he out wasn't about that? married. He was in the process of getting a divorce. Right. Yeah. Um. So you found out about that pretty much quickly, or? I already knew because of uh, Randy was my Aunt Judy's husband's friend. He had known him ever since he was 15 years old because uh, Randy's dad and my Aunt Judy's husband worked together. It's okay. So uh, so ever since Randy was 15, Bob knew him. 
So what is the what was the age difference? Do you remember? Well, Randy was just a kid, so um, so he's probably a good twenty years older than Randy. Okay. So Bob's probably what seventies, eighties. He's in his seventies now. Okay. So at what point in the, the process of dating did you realize that? you wanted to be a couple well Randy had surgery on his knees and um, I would go every night off of work that's when I worked at the county uh-huh. and bringing food and stuff like that and massages back and all this kind of stuff and he told me then that he really loved me and that I was the kind of woman that he waited for all his life and that you know when he got his divorce final then we would talk about what our future would be and when did you guys because there's two marriage dates, right? Yes. There was a a hush-hush one. Why was that hush-hush? Because we didn't want anyone to know, but uh, it wasn't legal. It was not legal? It was not legal. Why? Because we just went in front of some people and just said that, you know, we loved each other and that... So you made a pledge? Yeah, we made a pledge. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Though, though you kept it hush-hush... I, I knew about it. I remember you telling me about right. it. Right. Well, I didn't want you to think that I was just over there living with him. I mean, um, in a way, I guess we did live together, but we had committed ourselves to each other. He just wasn't quite ready because his first wife was an adulteress, and he was just afraid. So he just, you know, he was just afraid because he had been hurt by her, and, you know, he had a son and everything, but... Um, we had planned on getting married, so we just won. Like I always get to be spare of the moments. One of these days, I'm gonna have a nice wedding. I don't know who to, but uh, he said, "Let's go get married." So that's what we did. We took his mother this time as our witness. Okay, Mama Lorraine, and we went October the fifth, nineteen eighty-five, and got married by a justice of the peace. The only reason I remember it's night or October 5th is because on one of your guys' anniversaries I end up end up in the hospital. Now I think about it, what a way to spend your anniversary with your with your kid <laughs> getting his leg casted. Yeah. Um so so how long were you together for before the actual marriage marriage? 2 years. 2 years. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you left Fontana, Bloomington area, and you guys were in, in San Bernardino. San Bernardino. Um, and this is where I would grow. <sighs> Let me back up a little bit. Um, during that process, um, you know, I, I stayed with my, my great-grandmother um, and what was it, 80, was it 87 or 88 she had that stroke? Do you remember? I know it was around that time. Well, when did you graduate from Mary B. Lewis? Because for the last two years, I took and picked you up so you could finish school there. From Mary B. Lewis? Yes. Okay. So, let's see. I want to say, I want, okay, let me think about how the, how this worked. Because in 1989, we moved up here. Right. And in 1989, I would have been 12. And that process, I was halfway through um, 
the middle. Well, I was halfway through seventh grade. I remember that. So no, not when when you went to Curtis. No, Did, was Mary B. Lewis fifth or sixth grade? Mary B. Lewis was sixth grade. Okay, you went to Curtis. I think you were there like two or three months. And I told Randy, I'm moving. I'm not staying here. That was the worst, the worst junior high in all of San Bernardino. And it's still actually considered yeah. one of the worst. And I said, no, we were moving. And that's, you didn't go there that long. So I'd say between 10 and 11, somewhere in there. So 87, right. 88 is when Grandma had the, the stroke. I would say 87, maybe. And then that's when I came back. Um, you know, because I had been staying with her, and then I'm on the weekends with right, her. yeah. Um, other than running off with Patrick, who we talked about in the last podcast, you know, we I'd go I mean, off. you were just with your grandmother because she would beg me, right? Not because I didn't want to take you, but she would cry, tell me, "Don't take my baby." So you can tell, <laughs> you know, where we were. He was raised with his great grandmother, so I, I had I, a really hard time taking her, taking him, because she was so she would cry. And I remember as it. As a preteen teenager, it was kind of hard for me. And no, that's not true. It really wasn't. It was more liberating, to be honest with you. Now I'm thinking back on it. You know, because she was so overprotective. And then. She really was. And then coming into the world of, of, uh, and I, you know, the fun thing is, is I came in right at the right time because that was during the time, uh, Randy had, uh, one of his closest friends. His name was Don. And that was during the time of, you know, on the weekends we'd go over there and you guys would play cards and do this and I would go swim in. I remember that, that was actually a really good time to, to come in on that and, and be liberated, as it were, from, from being a sheltered life. Because from that point on, things got very interesting for me. Yeah, you were sheltered all right. So, at that point, and, and you kind of touched on it, um, it just, it was a bad place for me to be. So you guys essentially moved up to the high desert for to my protection. Um, how was it moving up? Now, well, let me back up a little bit. So you guys got married in 84. 85. 85. So you guys were only married for four years when you moved up here. No, because Rebecca, let's see, 85, 86, 87, 88. So uh, three years. 85, 86, yeah, four years. Oh, that's right. Rebecca was born before we moved up here. For some reason, yeah, I was thinking she was 88. born. 88, 90. I think we came here in 90. It was just going to turn. It was in December. It was just, we moved up in December of 89, and then we'd only been up here like a month or so before it was the next year. And it actually snowed. Yeah. <laughs> I had to laugh because uh, when we were moving up, he had his friends, Donnie, and different people come and help us. And now we'd always lived in San Bernardino, Fontana, you know, Bloomington. Nightlife's there all the time. Now it is more like this now, but when we moved up, uh, everybody was hungry. And we didn't have any clocks up or anything like that. So uh, my son and myself, you know, David and me, went to Del Taco. And we were ordering. And I'm telling you, it was so dead. We thought it was at least 4 o'clock in the morning. So we get everybody's food, and I said, by the time, oh, by the way, what time is it? And the lady goes, oh, it's 10 o'clock. He looks at me and says, Mom, my God, where have you moved me to? <laughs> well, yeah, because, again, there was just so much going on all the time. Everything was around the corner of San Bernardino. Everything. And up here, you got to go 20 miles to get to the grocery store. It's just, 
it's so at first it was so strange i used to be able to get from my house which was on danbury off of maine right to the freeway in 15 minutes and get on and go to work at uh, the va well things are different now oh yeah it takes you an hour to get to the freeway yeah because now with the tri community tri community is hesperia apple valley victorville we have over a million people now oh i believe it without a doubt um so, in fact, now that I'm thinking about it, that was where my thing with fans came into play. Because I remember it was so quiet that I couldn't sleep. So you got me a fan to mask the, you know, to make some type of noise. Well, really what happened was when I was pregnant with Rebecca, she was so much underneath my rib cage I could not breathe and she wouldn't drop. Uh huh. And I could not breathe and I was really having a hard time sleeping. And the doctor said, get a fan, stick it in your face. Well, I've been doing it ever since, and here I am. Yeah, and I got us all hooked on a fan. It's the noise. It's it is. It's a habit. It's it soothes us to sleep. It is a that habit. noise blocks everything out. Believe it or not, and all you hear is just it. It's like a pacifier. It it helps us sleep. Because even to this day, you know, I sleep with a fan. My son sleeps with a fan, and it's funny because if you walk into his room right now, and and it's uh, almost eleven thirty at night, but if you walk into his room, he's Dead ass asleep. You turn that fan off, he's going to wake, wake up. right up. Same thing with all of us. We all sleep with the fan. And if you turn it off, you're like, what happened to the fan? Yeah. <laughs> it's strange, but it does work. Well, even after twenty, almost 20 years of marriage between Lacey and I, when I first met her, she wasn't into the fan. She was like, you're going to keep that on all night long? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now it's, it's kind of like the same thing. You, it turns off and you instantly wake up. So that's just kind of a fun bit of... Yes, my fault. It's your sister's fault. She was up in the rib cage. <clears throat> well, that and it's just so hot when it gets hot. It is hot up here. Because, and the key word is, folks, is it's high desert, meaning we live in a high desert. And it, it I mean, granted, other than this summer... And all the years that I've been here, I don't think it's ever been this humid until this yeah, year. This year's the it's it's hot and humid. Well, because right now, I mean, we have the AC going, we have that going. That's the little portable water cooler. Plus, we have the fan going. I'm sweating still. It's just hot and sticky. I'm comfortable. <clears throat> I I'm still. I got a lot of more. Yeah, well. Too little. Ah, forget. It, I'm fat. We all know I'm fat. I can oh, well, live with it. Life goes on. So anyway, you move up here. Uh, you know, I'm 12 years old by this point. Rebecca's almost two, right? Yeah. Almost, or she is two. She's almost two. And then, um, of course, with Randy and Grandma Ruby was living with us because yes. she, and, and because she was suffering the the a paralysis essentially of, of that big stroke that she had. Right. And we moved up here to the high desert. Now, for you, what was it? What was it like? Because we talked about how I was like, oh, my God, you know, what a change, what a culture shock. But what was it for you? Same thing. It was really hard to get used to. It was very, very hard because, like I said, you know, around every corner was a hamburger joint, a grocery store, a mall, a uh, It was the movie theaters. Everything was just right around us, and here it just seemed like everything was so far away. 
was hard to get used to, but I don't, I could not live back down in San Bernardino or Fontana or anything. I couldn't live down there. It's too. No. I'm so used to this now. Well, if it's a million people up here, imagine how many people yeah. are down there. I'm so used to the way things are up here now, it'd be hard to live in a big city. Right. I remember one of the neat things was, and unfortunately I learned about this later, right before we left, is if we got on top of the house that we lived on, you could actually see the screen of the foothill drive-in. Yes, kids, I actually said drive-in. Um, and you could actually, depending on if you, if, okay, let's see, the sun would set right in front of our house, so that would be the west. So if you turned north, you could see one screen, or if you turned around and went south, you could see, there because it was a two-screen um, drive-in. Right. And you could actually set, and maybe that's where my imagine, uh, imagination started kicking in because I couldn't hear what was saying, but I could see the movie and my imagination was filling the gaps of what was going on. But, um, yeah, I mean, for what it was, it was a, it was a nice little place. I have some really good fond memories growing up. It was, uh, 151 South Muscott Street. Mm -hmm. I still remember that to this day. But it's called something else now. They changed the name of that street, but. Really? Yes, they did. Um, what did they do? They kind of did a revamp, huh? Because it was right, called, kinda, it was called, we, what was it called? Tortilla Flats. Tortilla Flats, <laughs> yes, yes. It wasn't the greatest neighborhood in the world. Even though, I mean, we did have a couple, we had what, two or three break-ins? No, we didn't. No? We had, we were there five years. And for every year we had a break-in. Oh, was it every year there was That a was another reason that we moved. I had had enough. Every year, they I don't know how they did it, because I would go to work, and, and, and Randy would come home. It would be a 15, 20 minutes gap, and they would still us blind within the 15, 20 minutes. I think it was their neighbors. Well, we used to, if we'd get something new, we'd tear it in pieces, put it in a black trash bag, and wait for the trash man to come and hand it to him. Yeah. We went to that extremes, and they still knew when we had something new, and it would come steal it. It, did, it got bad. Yeah. It did. But I didn't realize it was every year there was a break. -in. Every year, every year. I I couldn't handle that. That would freak me out. That's one of the last time I just and then with the school you're going to, I just told Dave. Uh, I told David. I told Randy that I just had enough. Cody's wanting some affection. He hasn't been on a podcast in a long time. Um. So where were you working at this time when we first moved up to? Um, well, we, we moved to Hesperia but when I first, initially. When we first came up here, I was working at St. Mary's. Which is, incidentally, where I actually work now. Right. That's interesting. Um, so, you were actually working at St. Mary's before we moved up here? No, well, well, I was working, really wasn't working anywhere. I was going to school to learn how to be a phlebotomist. Mm. And you, then... You and Aunt Tawny. Yep. And then, I, I've done a bunch of jobs. And then I was doing the... Uh, What's you call it? When I go to their homes and draw their blood? Traveling phlebotomy. Right. Or, I did that. Like V&A kind of stuff. Right. And so after I did that, I was offered a position at Unilab. But I did go to St. Mary's first. St. Mary's first. Traveling thing. And then Unilab. Uh, the VA. I've been all over places. Always medical. Some form of medical. You know, the funny thing is, is I always thought you were a nurse. Did you know that? Oh, did you? I did. I always thought you were a nurse. Until uh, I was probably 14 or 15 years old, 
and you were telling me about what you did, and I said something about being a nurse, and you laughed, and you said that you were uh, a nurse's assistant. Yeah. And I'm like, duh, you know, what's that? Someone and, that does all the work. And Well, the way you summed it up, it was, it was kind of like being an orderly. and Because the, the widestream general population knows the term orderly. Right. Even though that's an out-of-date uh, terminology, but that's what's still used now. Essentially, it's an orderly with more medical training is what a nursing assistant is. And um, I didn't, I didn't know. I always thought you were a nurse. I really did. I thought you were. For some reason, I thought you were an LVN. Um, I don't know why. Um, did you ever go to school? Did you ever start becoming an LVN? Is that where I'm getting the idea? When uh, I went to Chafee, we were trained like LVNs. Oh, you know, as we, a... I, I was trained exactly like an LVN. The only difference was we didn't give medicine, and we didn't give shots. She trained us like LVNs. <clears throat> and do you remember, and I, I, I bring this up once in a while, just talking to different people. Do you remember what you told me about being a CNA? Probably not. You told me, you can be anything you want in this world. Just do not become a CNA. And And, and she's smiling and laughing because the ironic thing is, my very first job in 1995 to when I became a ICU technician in 2003, I was a CNA during that whole time. And now I tell myself, or I catch myself telling Jaden, you know, no, you don't want to know. <laughs> but even for Jay, though, I, I figure he's probably going to be like a computer technician or something. Probably. Um, okay, so now we're we're at the point. I'm pulling up memories of we're in this. It was a cute little trailer. It, it was, and now that I'm thinking about it, it, was really small, but it was cute. And because this is where I became an adult. You know, this is the stages of my teenage years into adulthood would would take place. Um, but I remember there was like a leak in the roof. Yes. And it, it rotted the roof and, and like rotted the floor and, and we no, had. No, it was just the roof and the side. The, paneling. The back of it, yeah. Because we had a water cooler. What year was that? Do you remember? I don't know. The insurance had to fix it. I don't remember. I remember because Rebecca was just a baby. Well, not like baby, baby, but I'm talking like Zoe sized baby. Probably then that would be like maybe 90, 91. And I remember it was, it was neat because, uh, you were always gone. You know, you were always working. Always this is working. this is before you developed any other, you know, friendships. Your primary focus was work, 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 work. So, and I don't know why, but you were home for that week, for the, the process. I know Randy had got a job. Randy worked construction. Uh, well, before that, he worked in the oil fields, but he primarily worked construction, industrial construction. Well, he did shutdowns. He was a welder. And I remember, maybe that's why you didn't work that week. I don't know if you had to take PTO or, or what, because he was gone working during this time. Right. And um, I remember it was just such a, a marvel idea of seeing you every day. Um, it was just very foreign to me because... You, you would be up getting ready to leave for work when I got up to get ready for school. So, you know, that was that was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of bypassing each right. other. 
So I, I remember, and it's it's a very silly, silly thing, but for the concept of just having you home for one week solid was just an awesome feeling. Well, I've always worked. I've always, if Randy couldn't work, I worked. I've always taken care of my family. Whatever it took, that's what I did. My kids always came first. And see, on, on, I don't want to say unfortunately, because that's that's where you build character, folks. That's just part of life. But I was going to say, unfortunately, you know, I think Jaden had a lot of of starting to feel that kind of way, you know, just because I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And it's just something that's ingrained in you. It's just, it's almost an instinct of survival. You know, in order to survive comfortably, you have to work. You know, Right, you have to work. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for Jay, it would take almost 10 years, 9, 10 years, he would see me intermittently. I mean, and we've always had a very close relationship. But, you know, I was always at work, always at work. Always at work. But now, I, one of these days I'll have to, you know, you know, see what he thinks about it. But now he sees me every day. Right. Um, just because I'm in a situation where I make very good money. In fact, I just got another raise. Well, that's good. Um, You're a good worker. You know, and, and I'm, I'm able to be home Monday through Friday. Well, Monday through Sunday through Thursday, essentially, is when I don't work. I work Saturdays, Fridays and Saturdays, usually. But, um, and I think that's, that kind of, comes from seeing you you know and and it's one of those it's one of those situations where uh, and I've, I've explained this to different people you're just as the breadwinner it's neither shit or get off the pot there's there's no option there's no middle option it's neither do or don't do and i i think that's where I've, well when you have that responsibility i mean I've had responsibility ever since I was 12 years old. I have worked since I was 12 years old. I've worked a lot of different jobs because I get bored. Right. Um, I mean, I've gotten my license as a uh, massage technician. I've gotten my license as a manicurist. I mean, I, I've gotten, I've done a lot of things in my life because I'm a phlebotomist. You know, I mean, I've done a lot of things because I do get bored. Right. That's the thing that I found about me that I'll get bored, but. The one thing my mom used to say to me, she says, what you going to be when you grow up, little girl? Because I was always going to school because I believe in education. You know, the way that the world is now, if you don't have something, you're not. it's too hard to get a job. Like right now, I work three part-time jobs. Right. Three part-time jobs. I'm never home, and I'm always on the run. I mean, it's not going to always be like that, but I mean, for now, I have to do what I have to do because... I'm the only one there to take care of myself and my daughter, I guess, and my son-in-law. So I do what I have to do. They keep on telling me eventually they're going to take care of, care of me. And I tell them, <laughs> I hope I live that long. And now a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. 
Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jaysamon.com. Let's let's jump into something fun. Okay. Because this is where my memory starts kicking in about um, what we call Border Town. And Border Town, she just rolled her eyes. <laughs> See, I don't really have much memory of Border Town until we moved up to Hesperia. Maybe because it was we didn't have much to do there. Maybe that's why we started going more. Uh, but but Border Town for the listeners is. Um, well, before before um, Prim came into play, it was Gene. We would go to Gene, Nevada, originally, and I spent much of my my teenage years there. I think that would be a, a, a safe well, it's, assumption. It's because uh, Randy's dad got sick, so for two years we were there every weekend. Every weekend we were there for two years. Wow! Every weekend. And I won't sugarcoat this. This that was just as a teenager, that was so damn fun. I mean, it was just like go to school. What'd you do? Well, I went to Vegas again. Yeah, 
what'd you do this weekend? I went back, and people thought I was lying. But it was honestly, I was telling the truth. I was constantly, you know, because if if sometimes it would be a, a group outing, you know, all of us together, or there was many, many times that I remember it was just Randy and I, um, you know, driving up. And and now that you you bring up his dad, I remember right. going and, and, and yeah, seeing yeah. him in the process. But during that process, though, or during that process, during that time, um, it it did seem like that's from, let's see, I would say from like 13 to 16, 17. During that time, we were going all the time. All it felt the time, because like. he was sick. So, And he hadn't talked to his dad in years. And they kind of like rekindled their friendship back and everything. Relationship. Uh-huh. And the relationship. Because I remember when Rebecca was two years old, we were at the palace station. And she tells me that she wants to go play the 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 video machine. And I said, what are you talking about? I called her baby. I said, what are you talking about baby? She tells me. Because she had a little lift. Her th- I want to go play the machine mutter. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, the machine, the machine, mama. I said, what? She goes, and she goes over and gets on the stool, climbs up, <laughs> and she's sitting in front of a slot machine. She says, give me money. I can play. I can play the machine. <laughs> and she was two years old. She started talking when she was one and a half, and she hasn't shut up yet. But, uh, yeah, uh, so the yeah, listeners from, know. Yeah, from about from the time, long as we can remember, that's when I. She was about two years old. That's when um, Grandpa Bob and Randy started talking to each other again, and he had gotten sick, and we were there all the time. In fact, we were there when he passed away. Uh, I don't believe you boys were, but um, no, we were back in California. Yeah, but me and Randy. Well, I don't know if Randy, little Randy, played. No, he wasn't. And I, I <sighs> you brought him up. Whatever, I didn't want to go down that avenue. I still oh. can't figure out why he's mad at us. Um, yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't. I I haven't mentioned. Um, we don't want to talk about him right now, do we? There's a middle. <laughs> that's, a, that's another story. I was going to say there's a middle child, um, which is I consider him my brother, even though we're not blood technically. Um, we've been brothers since four years old. I'm 36. That's 32 years he's been my brother. So he's my brother. Um, he's got issues. And regardless of the issues, I love him. I know mom loves him. And, uh, I, I could sit and do a whole weekly series on, on the shit that he put us through. Oh my gosh. But, yes. But, um, there, just, just know, just put that in your cap and, and just remember when you become a step parent, it's not easy, especially when you have a stepson like what I had. But regardless of everything we went through, I still love him now. He's mad at us for some reason, and that's his problem. But it's not easy being a step-parent. But I want to say this, that my husband of 30 years treated my son like that was his son. He never said, this is my son, my stepson. He always said, these are my boys. And I was so grateful to that because to find a man like that, it's almost impossible. Not to make any difference between your son and his son. He he really was a good man. And I thank God I had 30 years with him. And I thank God for it. I mean, yeah, we had our ups and downs. We had our problems. He was in Vietnam. He had a, a lot of issues with PTSD. But you know what? I still thank God that he was a good man. Um, And it's you, you bring that up. And, in fact, I, I was just talking about it maybe day before yesterday to Terry. We are talking because, um, you know, Terry D. Shear, good friend of mine, and we were talking about 
he used to live in Hesperia. And he was laughing. He said he lived in Hesperia for 15 years and he never went to Hesperia Lake. I said, well, you're not really missing much. And I went into a story about how during my, I, I think I was about 14, 14 going into 15, um, I just got into this black stage. And when I say black stage, it was, everything was black. Everything was black. And I remember for like a month or two months straight, every Saturday, we would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, get up, get around, we'd drive to Circle K, get our, uh, get our warm coffees or, frapp- or cappuccinos. He would get a coffee, I'd get a cappuccino. And then we would go and spend the day at Hesperia Lake fishing. And maybe this is why I do it now to different people. You know, it's kind of psychoanalyzed. But that's what he was doing is he was taking me to this kind of solitude place and giving me a chance to open up because he, he's seen a change in me. He's seen, again, I went, I was, I was black. I had a black leather jacket. I wore the black boots and the pants and everything was black. Long hair. Well, technically I still have long hair. Yeah. Oh, speaking of long hair, did you notice this? Yes, I did. Um, the last time I shaved was in like 2004, 2005. I don't know why I got, got him a shaver Chris, last Christmas for $200 if he never used it. Oh, I use it all the time. You just missed a lot? This is a week. This is a week growth. That's... Back then, when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, look, there's a hair growing from my chin. Wow. But yeah. You know, but now it's like I could... It'll take me. It'll take me about six weeks to completely grow everything back again. That's just how fast it grows now. So I use it. Okay. Um, but anyway, back to Randy. It's uh, he was just trying to find out, you know, if if this was just progression of of hormones and and starting to find my own individuality, or if there was something wrong. Right. And. You know, obviously, you know, the outcome of that, you know, it was just, again, me trying to find out who I am and then me self-expressing through, you know. And the funny thing is, is because, and I'm going to share this, and it's kind of embarrassing to say, but, yeah, you would see me, I would have long hair. I've always worn ponytails. That was just my thing. You know, and I, I, I'm fairly tall. I'm almost six foot two. And I've always been fairly hefty. Well, I was in good shape when I was in ROTC. Because they, they made you stay in good shape. So I was built. I'm, and I'm stocky. I'm a stocky guy. <clears throat> but the funny thing is, is you would see me and you would think, oh, biker. But then you'd come to my house and you'd hear me listen to Phil Collins and Elton John. <laughs> Ballots, as it were. Uh, so now it was just, again, just me trying to find who I was. But it, but I have lots of good memories of Randy. Um, and I knew this was, this, this was going to take this avenue because Randy is, is no longer with us. So I, I knew once we start talking about Randy, we'd start reminiscing. Um, and I've said this so many times to so many different people. And I'm, I'm going to, after this, I'm going to try to get back into, you know, talking about you. Um, Randy really helped define me. Because he was there during the most important years of my life. And he, he, he's always been kind. He's always, he was always good to me. You know, 
He'd take me to the comic book shops. He'd take me to the movies. He'd take me to go play pool. He'd take me to go fishing. You know, we'd go right up together just about every single birthday for the middle brother, Randy, little Randy. I would always ride up there with him. You know, it was, it was always, you know, he always included me. I never felt left out as far as that goes. Um, and, and he did. He, he helped shape my character. Um, as to who I am today, and um, I'm I'm trying to. Well, I was just sitting here thinking because he had so many, you know, like we were talking about his his brother. He used to tell me, "I just wish Randy was so much like like David." In other words, he wished his son was like David. He goes, "I wish he could be a good boy like my other son," and David never really gave us too much problems. Um, his brother gave us, gave us lots of problems. He has lots of problems, you know, but uh, Randy was a good man. He really was. And to be completely truthful and outright, is if, if little Randy were to have, well, I don't know, even at that, because even as far as I can remember, there's always been resentment from him about you and Randy getting married. Right, he's... And that was even at a very, very young age. So I don't. I was gonna say if he would have grown up with me, and and lived the life that I lived with me, maybe he would have been different. But I don't know. But I don't that's think not so. true because we had him every other year. He would come live with us for one year, and then I couldn't take it anymore. I'd say, Randy, you got to take the boy home. I can't take it. And and I might sound like a mean person, but let me tell you, you'd have had to been there. I wasn't. I tried to love this kid. I tried to be kind to this kid. You just don't know what I went through, but I, I tried. I developed IBS. Yeah. I, I tried. Remember? It was during this time when he lived with us is when, um, and I don't talk about this openly on mic, but I'm going to tonight, is I, I've, ever since that time when he came to live with us, I developed stomach issues. And though now I've gotten older, it's gotten better, but that process of living him, with him, because I'm just going to be honest with you now, now that, you know, it's 20 years into the future, that was hell for me. I won't sugarcoat it. He was, it was hell for everybody. It was, it was just. How many times you guys have fight and break his head in the mirror and knock my jewelry down the <laughs> toilet and, oh my gosh, knock the paintings off the wall and the pictures and everything? Oh, yeah. Oh, ihala. It was, um, now Randy. Little Randy, I'm talking about brother Little Randy. He he is a big boy. A big boy. Now I'm like I said, I'm almost six foot two, but he makes me look tiny. He could have been a professional football player. That's how big he was. Yes, and um, but there's there's one thing is I never took shit off of him. No. Never, and no. it would turn into a blood fest. Broken no. Oh, I don't know how many times I broke his nose, but that was always the first place I hit him was right in the nose. <laughs> and, but it was, it was just a constant, well, I mean, even before him moving with us up here, right. when he lived with us down the hill, um, he was just very He's very angry. jealous. Yes. He has, he's very jealous. Uh, he wanted to blame me for him and his father from his father and his mother getting divorced, I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't even in the picture when they he filed for divorce. I had nothing to do with it. Now, I, I can say, though, 
unfortunately, and I don't want to bring up too much of his personal life because that's not my business to, right. to throw it right. up there. Right, it's not. But, um, you know, we did make that connection. And, and it was our junior year in, in, in high school because Randy and I are only six months apart. So we were in the same grade. And it would take, let's see, from age four to age 16, it would take 12 years we'd finally kind of started developing that, that kindredship, that brotherly you know bond that was right. supposed to be there. Um, unfortunately, he, he took uh, a nasty road, and I took another road, and <clears throat> that just kind of separated things, and that's, that's just the way it's been ever since. And, um, you know, I, I seriously doubt if he listens to this. I don't even think he has internet. Um, but, you know, it's... We're not saying anything that's not true. You know, we wish him the best. We don't know what his problem is, but I hope that he can figure it out before it's too late, you know? Yes. All he has is you and Rebecca, you know? He has no other brothers or sisters, just you two. So, so back to Randy, you know, um, how, let's see. Well, let's, let me just pick your brain about... How was it? How was it for you? Because I know for me, how it felt about being away from my family and having that responsibility just to work and try to bring home money. Was there a sense of loneliness during that process of time, or were you just so focused at doing your job, you just kind of shut it out? And... What do you mean lonely? Well, because you were you were at work more than you were at home. Well, I wasn't lonely. I had to do what I had to do. And that's just, that's the way I've been my whole life. Like I told you, when I was 12 years old, I started working, buying all my brothers and sisters school clothes, and I did it every year after year after year. Um, I've always had a job. I've always worked. I've worked for a prize club. I worked. I remember that. Yeah. One of your, one of your, uh, to this day, I remember this. I, I was like 10 years old, 11 years old. We were still living down the hill. And uh, one of your friends from Price Club was like, who's this? And you're like, that's my son. And she's like, no, that's your brother or something. Do you remember? Yeah. I remember that. I did, they, it still cracked me up. But I just always, I, I never felt, I, did, I just did what I had to do, and that's the way it was. If me and Randy worked together, we worked. If he wasn't working, I worked. I usually always worked. I've always worked. And then when he was like only 42 years old, he got on social security disability. So I still worked. And I felt, you know, he didn't get much money, but he always brought it home. And, and when he did make good money, you he know. He made good money. He made good money. So, I mean, I can't complain because right now he takes care of me. You know, I draw a disability pension off of him, so I can't complain. He's still taking, we've always taken care of each other. And like I said, we had our ups and our downs. We've had our problems like everybody else. But he always took care of me to the best of his ability. And that's all you can ask of anybody is to do the best they can do. Now, here comes the point of life where this is where I start taking on my own life. And, you know, I, I graduate high school. I get married. And we end up moving to Arkansas. For you, how was that? How, I mean, let's see, how do I say this? How was it for you? Because, let's see, you're 24 years older than I am, right? You're 24 when I was born. Right. So, let's see, that means when I was 20, 
you, let's see, I would have been 44. 44. So I got married at 18, so you were 42. You were only 42 years old when I got married. Right. Which is odd because 42 is actually not too far from where I'm at now. Right. But um, how was that? I mean, did, were you just like, I'm, I'm too young to have a, a kid that's married? Or? No. I just, I mean, I wanted you to wait because I thought you were too young, but that's the only thing I thought. But no. No, it never, it never, like, that you were too young to be? No. I just, you know, I mean, I I was always very protective of you. I was very over, more overprotective of you than I was over Rebecca. But, I mean, you know, I just, the only thing I could said, you wanted to get married. You got married, and there you go. I think it, for me, I've, I've always been, you've allowed me for so many years up to that point. Like I said, when... And I wasn't joking, I don't know if I said it in this podcast or the last podcast, you know, the point when I came to live with you, you know, because I came to you with you on the weekends, but now it was like Monday through Sunday, you know, right. every every day. Right. There was a bit of liberation. There was a bit of, of freedom. Well, yeah, because my grandmother was so overprotective of everything. And like I said, it wasn't because I didn't want you with me. It was because it would just she would just bawl and cry and bawl and cry. And I used to tell Mama, what am I going to do? I just... I, I and you used to tell me, it's okay, mom. It's okay. I'll stay. And I I'd say, but you don't have to, son. You'd say, no, mom. I want to. I'll stay. Are you sure? Yes, mom. I'll stay. I said, okay, because you didn't have to, but you said no that you would. And, but when I I came to live with you, it was again a bit of liberation. Well, it's different. It was different because it was just different. Because again, and going back to last podcast again. Um, you know, you were like, I trust you. Don't break my trust. And you pretty much essentially let me do what I wanted. I mean, as, as long I mean, as that's, I... That's kind of scary in a way, but that's the way my mom was. But yet I couldn't do... I could have done all the things everybody else was doing. Right. But I didn't do it. But that wasn't me either. I've never been a person to do drugs or drink and go crazy and all that kind of stuff. That's not who I am, nor have I ever been that way. Now, I won't lie and say that I haven't experimented. You know, I'm sure you have. And you know, we find these things out 60 years later. <laughs> but it, it's part of, and I, I I don't know if it's just the culture. I don't know. I don't know what you've done. I know you said you've smoked weed before. I never smoked weed you before. You said you smoked I weed. I did not. Randy might have smoked weed, but I never smoked weed in my life. <laughs> I'll have to go get some. <laughs> I smelled kidding. enough of it. No, thank you. It's too, it was too nasty smelling. I'm kidding. Um. But I don't know. I don't know, you know, from the 70s in that era, the from people I knew that were in their 20s in the 70s, um, you know, there was lots of drug activity. So I really don't know. That's one of the things that you've yeah, never talked about. mostly all in our family. Is Damn. that why? Is that why you never really That's not thought? who I am. It's just not who I am. It's not them or not the desires. I was raised in a very strict Christian home, and the thought of doing drugs and doing all that kind of stuff never... I'll have to be honest with you. One time, when I was working graveyard, I was so tired. I had a toothache, and I came to work, and someone said... And they called them binnies. Yeah. I don't know what a binny was. Uppers. Okay. The and red that, pill. 
Okay, I took one. Like to kill me. I was cleaning and mopping and doing everything. They were all <laughs> laughing at me. Oh, I know Deborah took something. I told them, my God, are you trying to kill me? I never did. That's the. I, that's it. That's all I've ever done in my life. That's it. Um, and that's the truth. Well, we know. I'm just. I'm just going to be open and honest with you. I, you know, I've done speed. I've done speed more than once. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Sure, I knew it. Um, I've, I tried marijuana, and and interesting enough, I didn't like marijuana, just because. I don't like the feeling of just being, oh, you know, I can sit around the house and feel tired naturally. I don't need something to, to make me hungry and, and want to sleep. I can do that naturally. So that was something I, I literally, I, I tried maybe twice. Um, there was one thing, and I actually almost considered telling you about it because they thought it was funny. Um, Jeff slip some coke into my coke just to see what would happen and and that that i will say one thing about little randy little randy was there for me because i remember him freaking out what'd you do to him what'd you do to him look at him he's tripping and they gave me cocaine they put it into my coke and i was tripping out to the point where he finally, because I'm the responsible one, and when the responsible one loses that responsibility, whether it be inadvertently or not, I'm not. I'm not there to tell him, "Don't do this." Well, it was a good thing I didn't find out about it because Jeff would have been tripping all the way to the police department, to jail, and um, to the point where he he helped me, little Randy actually, and again, I'm a big guy. He drugged me from Hinton to Danbury, which is four blocks. That's a four-block walk. He drugged me. I mean, literally, he had my arm, and he was, like, picking me up, dragging me to the house. And he, he waited for me to pretty much stop tripping out because he knew that if I, how bad I was tripping out, that I, you, obviously you guys would have woke up. And that was my only encounter with it. And that scared me so bad. See, I don't understand why anybody would want to feel that way. I just, I don't like to be out of control like that. I don't like to be influenced to do something that I normally would not do. I don't like that. I don't, li- I don't like, I don't like that. I like to know what I'm doing. And and if you think about it, remember I used to go over there to Jeff all, all the time. The time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I stopped. Yeah. That's why. Because I was so upset with him because it's a different different thing if I'm saying yeah yeah I'll try it that's totally different that's consenting but you do something like that against me with me not knowing that's not cool especially being 17 years old right that was but other than that I I smoke I smoke cigarettes I don't smoke weed and um, I don't even drink and it's just I have no desire. I mean. But really, you never, I mean, once in a while, Randy would have a beer or something like that. But you never, I mean, if if his friends would come over and play poker or something, I would let him have a beer or something like right. that. Uh, no hard liquor or nothing like that, just a little bit of beer. Because they like to come over and play poker. They would play kitty poker or whatever, you know. And I used to, I would let him bring have his friends come over and do that. I mean, 
that was fine with me. Well, I, I tried the, the drinking thing. And I won't lie, that was kind of fun, too. That was during the time we lived in that townhouse. In, right. In, um, it was yeah. here in Apple Valley, right. but I can't think of the road. And Patrick was, it was all a process. Laguna. Yes, in Laguna. It was a process because my cousin Patrick had gotten in some legal trouble, and he served his time. Right. And he was trying to clean up his act. He needed to be around positive people. And we were more like brothers than cousins. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and for a very long time we were like that. And so he would come, and he was doing good. He worked the job. He'd do, you know, 9 to 5 electrician. On the weekends, instead of staying down there where trouble was, he came up here with Lacey and I. He knew that we weren't, you know, we weren't going to get him arrested and come right. back, back in jail. But we did. We drank, you know, we had drinks and, and we had beer and wine. And the, the funniest thing was, and I can't believe I'm telling my mom this, is, do you remember Masa? Yes, I remember Masa. Okay. When Masa first uh, came... He was a foreign exchange student, folks. He he lived with us for like a month or two. Um, it, it was About just three, was it three months? Right. And but one of the, the the things from Japanese culture is when you go to visit somebody, it's custom to give them a present. And he gave me a present. In fact, I still have it. Some well, I have the glass, the the mixing glass and the the square cups. But he gave me a sake kit. And. That was in 1997, okay? Now, me talking about my cousin, you know, coming to the, the house was about 1999, 2000 in that area. So that sake was like two to three years old. Well, we were up. We were playing quarters. Um, I'm sure you know what quarters are. And <clears throat> we literally ran out of something to drink. And we just didn't. We were having fun. We didn't want to go to sleep. And I was like, we, well, I have sake. Oh, my God. That was just like, I was drunk. I, I'm not lying. I'm just being open and honest. I was drunk. And even as a drunk person, I was going, oh. You know, so <laughs> imagine. That thought of sake makes me want to go, oh. Yeah. yeah, it was, it like sobered you up. <laughs> It was. Uh, I don't know how they can drink that stuff. That sounds nasty. Just. Yeah, it's it's rough. Well, I don't know if if it's like wine. You know, the older it gets, the better it gets. I don't think so because, like I said, that was like two <laughs> or three years old. That was rough stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but that was my only really. I didn't. Other than that, or in that time, because shortly thereafter, um, in two thousand one, obviously Jaden was born and. And when that was when when that event happened, that kind of set my whole my whole mentality of who I am. That was the final transition into adulthood for me. Right. At that point, I any lingering parts of being a juvenile was gone. It was it was who I am today. And though there was ten years, well, actually almost twelve years after that incident, and I'm even more different too who I was back then, that was just kind of the turning point of adulthood. And I just, I, and again, I've had, you know, I've had a few few beers here and there, but I don't, honestly, I don't think I've ever been, well, there was that one UFC fight. And I remember, oh, bless Randy. He, Randy was supposed to go 
and picked me up, and I I had too many drinks. We were from friends from the hospital. We were watching UFC, and um, he was supposed to come pick me up. And I told him, I remember, I I I remember the conversation a little bit. Telling him, no, go ahead, you know, go to, go to sleep. But I'm, you know, the party's going on a little bit longer. But I remember he was he was good enough. He's like, you sure? Uh, I can stay up for a couple more hours. You know, that's not a problem. I, I don't sleep at night. And I was like, no, go ahead and go to sleep. But I remember he was actually offering to, because he was so concerned about, which number one I would never do in the first place because I work in a medical field. I know the right. I know. But the consequences would, of drinking and driving. Right, we would never let our kids do that. But, um, but what had happened was, is I I went to a party. In fact, that was when I had the the Dodge Ram, the truck. Um, I drove to my friend Rich's house, and I rode with him to another friend's house in Barstow. And in fact, he after the party was over, he literally took me home. He drove me home. And then I think was was I don't remember who it was, but I think it was Randy who picked me up the following morning so I could go get my truck. Probably. So, but literally that was the last time I ever had a drink, and that was in two thousand nine. So I'm just not a big drinker. Okay, I got into a rant. I somehow I have a tendency to turn it around and make it all about me. I don't mean to. Gee, you think so? No, I'm only kidding. But this came out good. I'm, I'm glad. I, you know, like I said, we've been talking about this for a few months now. You know, just sitting down and podcasting, and, and uh, I look forward to Rebecca and Aaron coming back and podcasting. I do miss them. In fact, Jaden made a comment about how he missed having them around, and um, you know, it's it. And, and I try to explain it to listeners and everybody. Everybody's got responsibilities, and. Um, you know, sometimes responsibilities are just not fun. But as an adult, you have to face your responsibilities. Yes, you do. And that's where they're at. And, you know, hopefully this is episode 41. So maybe in about two more weeks. Well, two more weeks, not from today, but two more weeks from when this podcast airs, then they'll be back. Right. So thank you for coming and finally setting down because now I mean I'm gonna have this conversation on record for the rest of my life so this is cool you know and who knows maybe you know 40 years from now my grandchildren will be like listening to this maybe that'd be cool that's that's one nice thing about audio it's there forever well thank you I love you and I've had a blast. Well, you're welcome, and I love you, too. All right, we're going to end out on that heartwarming, touching, smushy. (laughs) All right, kids, that's it for this week. I'm David K. Montoya. And I'm Debbie. And if you just aren't sentimental about anything, and you're cold, and you're ruthless, and heartless, and have no sense of humor, and I could go on and on and on, you might be seeing red. Have a week, folks. I'll see you next time. Welcome to Seed Rail.
Don't say we didn't warn you.